and welcome to this edition of the He Doesn't Waste a Thing podcast. Thanks for joining me today again. And um, as you know, I always have fun people on the show with me, and today is no exception. So today I have a um, a friend who is relatively new to me, but that I have thoroughly, absolutely been thrilled that God has brought him into my life. Uh, today my guest is Terry Cutperson. He is a the pastor, the lead pastor at Hope City Church in Arcadia, Oklahoma. He is um, full of life. He is, uh, has, I think he has an opinion for everything, which is super awesome because he knows what he believes and why. And so I'm, I'm, he's one of my kind of people who, who is a, I love to hear what people think about things, especially when they come to talking about the things of the Lord. So welcome to my show, Terry. All things happy. It's exciting. This is fun. Super glad that you're here. So um, what I want to do is I want the, the listener to just to get to know you as a person and who you are and kind of what you do. So tell us a little bit about how you became a Christ follower. Um, well, I grew up in a church and uh, had experienced childhood trauma through abuse of a, of a stepfather and um, never dealt with it. So I ran away from the church. Uh, and so when I was 22... I uh, was hooked on drugs and partying, and I had plunked out of a Christian college and was living in an apartment about to be kicked out. Uh, in fact, I got kicked out and was living on a like screened-in porch of another friend's house. And the guy who hooked me up with pot started inviting me to church because the church hugged people, uh-huh. and he thought I was depressed. So he said, Terry, you got to come to church. My girlfriend goes here, and I'm telling you, man, they're going to hug you, and you need to be hugged because you're so depressed. And I was like, you know, bro, I've been down that path, and I don't ever want to go down there again. And he was determined. Like, he was not your average uh, pot connection, you know? <laughs> uh, so he showed up in, a tr- in his truck one day, and he's like, just get in the truck. We're going to church. You're going to get hugged, man. You're going to love this. And so, you know, we smoked on the way to church. And, and back then, I had Dragon Ball Z hair and the, the crazy earrings. I could fit a McDonald's straw through my ear. And... uh I uh, walked in the church, and the second I walked in the church, this, like, uh, he probably was 50-something, you know, or maybe late 40s, short, red-headed guy, just power walks. You know, like the wall, mall walkers? Like, and just hugs me, you know, smelling like cigarettes and smelling like dope and being a dope. And he's hugging me, and then my friend is standing behind him going, See, I told you, they hug you here, man. Um... And uh, Marilyn Murray was the pastor that was preaching that Wednesday night. And the message she was preaching was the prodigal son. Oh, wow. <laughs> and God didn't set you up a little, nah, did he? <laughs> no. Nah. It, was, it was beautiful. Because I went in and, and my heart was so hardened to the church and to God's people. And instead of dealing with the pain I was dealing with, I just ran all the time. So uh, at the end of that service, she gave an altar call. And the Holy Spirit was just dealing with me so heavy. And I was crying and in my mind, I had made up my mind that, okay, you know, I'm going to go get punished now. You know, I'm going to go to the altar and God's going to whoop me and then then we'll be good again, you know. And I gave in and went to the altar. And as I walked to the altar, I had a tangible presence of God moment. Like it felt like arms wrapped around me. And it wasn't audible, but in my head, I heard God say, welcome home, son. And I bawled. I mean, I cried. I weeped. I did that gross weeping with the snot bubbles and the, I went through boxes of tissue. I just, and I was at the altar for two, three hours. Wow. When we left, it was me and the guy who locked up and the, the one 
faithful saint who didn't give up on me after I had, you know, weeped through two boxes of tissues, you know. But that was the day, man. Things things began to change. I still had to go through some healing process and stuff, but that was the beginning point for me, so. But you grew up with, you have a history of people in yeah. the church and pastors. Got, and my family's, I love my family. So this isn't, it was not, this isn't an accusation against them. It's just, you know, um, we just didn't, we didn't deal with the abuse that I had gone with. So my great grandma was a pastor. Um, her husband died when she was 40 and she carried on a church and she loved us nonstop. And we could go in there. I'd go in and play alternative rock, you know, in the nineties <laughs> worship stuff, you know, for her and, 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 uh, she would just love on us and, and showed us the gospel in, in action. Um, you know, my grandma and my mom, they were godly women. They they would not let me speak poorly over myself. My grandpa was a godly man. So there was lots of God, but I did not, I didn't deal with the abuse. Like I just kept that thing locked down. And and I maybe we just didn't know how to. We just thought, you know, if you hit the altar enough, it'll it'll work itself out. But there was that piece that was just inside of me for so long that anytime someone would go wrong, you know what it was? Um, the enemy had lied to me and convinced me that that my stepfather and my real dad were kind of representations of who God was like. Sure. So my real dad worked for the Army or was, you know, worked for, was in the Air Force, retired, and spent most of his life in third world countries. Uh, very important guy, and he'd show up once a year, give me a gift, say I love you, and then I wouldn't see or hear from him until the next Christmas to come up. And my stepfather was the kind of man that would come up with punishments for no reason. You know, so he'd do the white glove treatment when he asked you to clean the room. He's going to check everything, just looking for a reason to bring punishment on you. And so my opinion of God was he was very far away. And he would show up once in a while and bless me with good gifts to let me know he loves me. But then he was far away while I was going through hardships and trials, just waiting to see how I'd handle it. And I also had the idea that God wasn't very angry, very wrathful, which, you know, God is just. But I, I, mine was from the point of view of uh, abuse. Right. So when you're growing up with that, even when you're having powerful encounters with the Holy Spirit and all these pieces, every time something goes wrong, you know, like your car doesn't start. Well, that's because you didn't change the oil ever, and now your car is locked up. But in your mind, you go, I'm not good enough. I'm just an animal, which is what my stepfather called me. You're far away. You could save this. I remember I used to pray this. Over, I remember that day I prayed that over a car. I was like, you could fix this, God. You know, like, you could fix this if you wanted to. <laughs> and because in my mind, right, God is like my father. Right. And so he's far away. So he wants to see how I'll handle things. And that's not how he is. You know, so, um, yeah, so growing up, because I, so anytime things would go wrong, then I would decide I, God didn't love me enough and I'm going to mess up and I'm no good. And I would run the other way for a while. You know, plus I was very artsy in a very small town where they wore Wranglers and I wore Jinkos. If y'all remember, yes, remember, remember Jinkos? Yes, I remember Um Very artsy, uh, loved poetry and beat poetry and was in a rock band and had blue hair. And everyone I went to church with wore Wranglers pressed, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so that didn't help, you know, because no matter what I did for the church, people just saw me as this artsy, you know, sissy kid. <laughs> right. You know, this, this uh, emo kid. And uh, so just it just kept adding to it. And I'm not knocking any of that. Really what was, I just had not 
I just didn't deal with the pain that was inside me. Like, I didn't know how to deal with it, you know? So, yeah, so that's what happened. And then I went out to school. I went to a Christian college, and for a while I was doing fine. But, you know, we were very poor. My brother and I both went to private colleges with a single mom. That's, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, Christian colleges are just a scotch more expensive than public college. Uh, we're still paying student loans for our daughter who just graduated from one, so we're fully aware yeah. of how that works. I, I went ahead, I didn't learn my lesson because I went and got a, I went to Southern Nazarene University, got my MBA, mm-hmm. and I could be driving a Tesla right now instead of having a piece of paper up on the wall that, yeah, I'll be paying off until yeah. Jesus comes back himself. Yeah. So, But, um, yeah, so when I ran out of money there, though, that that second and a half year, which even someone prophesied that it was going to happen. Someone came up to me, I was, I went, because in the summer, I, I, you know, churches would invite me in. It's like, his kid's going to, you know, you know, going, I don't want to name the college because I don't want to bring, they're a great college, so I don't right. want to knock them or anything. But this kid's going to a Christian college. He's going to be a great pastor. He should come preach at my church. And so these small churches would bring us in and he'll pay me 50 bucks to drive out there and preach. When I went to a church and, and the, the, the semester right before we just ran out of money, could not pay to be there any longer. Uh, and uh, the guy probably said, your time at Christian college is, is coming to an end. But it's because God wants you to trust him and he wants to walk you through the school of the prophets. Which I don't even know what that, I didn't know what that meant. But I remember it vividly that that was said right. over me. I was like, okay, yeah, great. <laughs> and went back to school and I was $1,000 short from making the, the money I had to make to stay at school. A thousand bucks. And that was with me working full time as a, a car hop at Sonic. I was doing photography full time. Plus, I was selling those Razor scooters that were really hot. Uh-huh. I had found a place where I got like 100 of those, and I was selling them for twice the amount I got them for. And with everything I could hustle, every hustle I could come up with, it ended. You know. And again, the anger came back, which was, you could fix this, God. If you wanted to, you could fix this. You could make this work. If you cared about me, you know. And, and then, I, then I started blaming the church, right? Because you know, the, the kid in my dorm with me is a missionary's kid, and the other one's a pastor's kid. So I know for a fact they were getting a discount for right. being in the ministry kids, right? right? And I didn't contemplate that's a great thing to do for people. In my heart it was, you know, the church doesn't care about me. Look how they treat me. You know, here I am, this kid of with with two two brother, you know, me and my brother both going to college at the same time and a single mom, and we're just struggling to get by, and there's no discounts for us. Ignoring the fact that I went into an outer state school, went to private school, you know, I did all the things that made it even harder to be there. And started blaming God again. And so, yeah, I walked away and, and went down this party lifestyle that just led to addiction and pain and hurting people. And uh, But God was good. He never, you know, we always say, like, I was lost and then God found me. We're never lost from him. There was never a point where God was like, hey, where did Terry go? You right, know? right. He was with me the whole time, protecting and guiding me and, and, and sending people my way, you know, to try and bring me back. And then he used a pot connection. I don't call him pot dealer. He was he was he wasn't he wasn't a pot dealer. He was just my connection. He was the one always brought me pot. But he, the guy who brought me pot all the time, like that was the yeah. only, only reason we hung out was because he brought me pot. Like I'd buy pot off him, and then we'd smoke it together. And you know, he used that guy to bring me to the church, and, but, and to and to have this encounter with God changed my life. So, so since you had that view of the Lord that he was um, that he could fix it if he wanted to, mm-hmm. which then assumes that he just didn't want to. Yeah, he was far away in my mind. So how did you make the switch? Okay, so... <laughs> or what would you say so to somebody who's I, in that same place? So I get saved, and, and my mindset doesn't change. 
I now had an encounter where God obviously showed me, I love you, I'll forgive you no matter what you go through, I'll redeem you, I've got a plan for you. And so I was scared that if I if I left the church at that moment, I'd go back to my life. So I just started volunteering to be at the church all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I would work, I'd work at as a as a waiter, and then as soon as I got off work, go straight to church and find things to do. Roll up the hoses, water the lawn, paint rooms. You know, I started learning how to do PowerPoint so I could make graphics and I volunteered for the youth and anything else they let me volunteer. And finally they hired me. So I now become a pastor after three years of, of working at the church for free, right? And they hired me as a kids pastor because that's, you know, that's what you give the guy who won't leave you alone, right? You give him the kids <laughs> pastor position. And my, I, I meet my wife there. Uh, we, get, we get married. And that's when they, you know, we, uh, and we start really struggling in our relationship right off the back uh, because... I had daddy issues, and so I want the pastor to fulfill that role, you know, and so right. I'm doing everything I can do, but I'm overworking myself at the church to try and win his, you know, approval, and I'm not taking care of my family. And so, you know, things are going well, and we actually went to counseling for a while, and luckily I found a Christian counselor. So what happened was, you know, what probably a year into being a kids pastor, maybe two years into being a kids pastor, we're exhausted. Our relationships on the edge. Things are just hard, you know. And uh, I go to this counselor, and 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 I I remember I was just so frustrated this one day, and I just I, I the Holy Spirit just had a moment with us because the guy would just ask me questions, and then we'd read scripture and pray together. Literally, I mean, he wasn't like giving me drugs or anything like that. He just would come in, he'd listen to me. And then he'd share some scriptures that God put on his heart, you know, and uh-huh. it was powerful. But this one day I walked in, I, I, I just sat there and looked. As soon as I walked in, I said, you know, I feel like God is like my real dad. Because here I am struggling and doing everything I can do to get him to love me. And he lives far away and shows up once a year and gives me a gift. And then all the rest of the time, it's just me struggling. The Holy Spirit spoke instantly. That's exactly the problem. You view God. And the second that revelation came to me, we were able to, okay, this is the problem. <laughs> and God started the healing process for us, you know. Mm-hmm. And I repented of my wife, and, and uh, you know, we actually resigned from that position. Uh, went, and found a, went and started being a pastor somewhere else. And we resigned from there, and I, 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 I turned it around. Because it, it, at that moment, I knew that's not the truth of who God is. God was there all the time, always walking with me. I was never alone. He was for me and with me. But I was putting myself in places where the natural law was taking order, you know, and mm-hmm. then shocked when it would hit me. Mm-hmm. I'm doing very stupid things at this time. If you don't make your family a priority, if you make a ministry a priority over your family, don't be shocked when your family falls apart and then your ministry falls apart because your family falls apart. Because your priorities are all out of order. Because God didn't call us to do that. Right, for sure. He, he says, He says, you know, take care of my sheep. We're not to marry sheep. Mm-hmm. His sheep, at least. That's gross. Mm-hmm. So don't marry sheep, y'all. <laughs> we're supposed to love our bride right and so that was a huge change for us so we went through a whole process and it took years of growing into that you know but that's what that was the process it was it, it i think a lot of times we have to we have to let god show us the lies we've been living by so right so just for a few minutes here you're a church planner yes for three years church planning is not for the faint of heart I would advise people who want a church plant to go and fast. And then when they feel like God's still calling them to church plant, to go and fast some more. 
And then when they feel like God is calling them to plant a church, go fast some more. Um, it's hard. It is hard. It's hard. Uh, it's, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. It's so exciting. Um, but it's like everything else. It, it's like starting anything new. Right. It, it's, you know, new life is always messy. Uh, babies are messy, <laughs> you know? And so when new life comes in the world, it's messy and it's hard. Um, I would also tell people, you know, make sure you have a good a good team to launch you. Don't just get angry at your church and go start a church. It's not going to be healthy. Make sure that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's super hard. It's super amazing. Um, it's like being on the forefront of, of it's, you, you're always the forefront. You're, you're where new life seems to be happening a lot. Because you go to places most people don't end up going to. You know, so we actually, for two years, were inside of Tinseltown Theater, which is on MLK. And uh, I think naming streets MLK, for whatever reason, causes chaos. I don't know why. <laughs> streets named MLK seem to, which is sad because he's such a great legacy. But um, we would walk those streets and police officers would warn me and we'd still walk them and pray over people. And then God opened the door in Arcadia. And so we just... Trusted him in that, and God's been doing some great things. So yeah, he, he has been doing some great things up there. Um, so what is what is the best thing about being a church planner? Salvations are amazing. Um, working with baby Christians is amazing. I, 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 I love. I love. I'm a very out of the box person, anyways. So I enjoy the fact that God allows us to be the church sometimes in ways that. Uh, looks different to everyone else, you know. Um, but what what we we've enjoyed about it is that we get to go places and 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 really meet people. I, I don't know. I just I love that part. I love being with people and being a part of trying to reach people. And I I know every church says it, so it's definitely not an accusation. But like, it's just it's some, there's something so exciting about being in a place where people are just like you're meeting at a theater. I guess I go check that out, you know. Right. And um, so we, we've really enjoyed that. And we've had a lot of salvation. Last week we had five salvations out in a parking lot. Um, I feel like everywhere I go, we're just, <laughs> I, I'm, I, every tattooed um, person that I run into, every, you know, person that, I don't know, we just, and I'm, it's just exciting. So it rambled is. there, I apologize. Yeah, <laughs> salvations are amazing. And, and it, when, you're, when you're out in the marketplace nonstop, because I actually work a full-time job too right now. So being able to be with people out in the marketplace and living out the gospel with them has been really powerful for us. What's been the most unexpected thing that you've had to deal with as a church planner? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's, you don't know what to expect when you get into it, you know. Um, I, I think, I think the, we, the hardest part is just helping people. It, people really struggle to understand what the church is when it's not in a building shaped like a church. Right. So, you know, like right now, we're, we're leasing a storefront that's right next to a subway. You know, before that, we were in a theater. And, you know, so people really associate a building with a church. I think I'm also really shocked about the amount of people in what's called the Bible Belt, Oklahoma, in this area, it's supposed to be the Bible Belt. I find people on a daily basis who have no idea the gospel whatsoever. They don't know the birth and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They don't know the creation story. They don't know any of it. They, they mean, literally, we are walking people through it, and they've not heard any of it. And that's been really shocking to me because I thought it's a Bible Belt. Everyone knew it. Yeah. So, but it, it's really been amazing on that. I think so. there was a time when people knew it more. 
I think so. And I think we're entering into, we were in kind of in the season right now where it's not the, comp, it, you know, there was a time when this was truly the Bible Belt and yeah. everybody went to church. Yeah. It was kind of culturally what we did. Yeah. That, I don't see that to be the same way now as it was maybe when I was younger. Well, I think the other win is, you know, um, we have people now, we're, we're even more, the, the, the culture has become more divided, you know, and so you got people that come in and never become part of the the, the original culture that was there. That sounds mm-hmm. bad, but so they're, they, they're surrounded by people that only believe like they believe and talk like they talk, and, and, and so, yeah, so there, there's less, you know, information getting back and forth to them, so. Yeah, I think that's true, um, and, I, and I think, you know, I'm curious, you, you've done, we're, as we record this, we're in the middle of the quarantine pandemic, yes. which I guess yeah. technically we're violating, we're, we're social distancing enough that I I'm measured, probably... we're exactly six feet apart. <laughs> At any rate, um, you've been doing something that some churches, a few churches have been doing, that's drive-in church. Yes. And um, so what, how did you decide to give that a shot? It wasn't hard for us. We were already mobile. We had been mobile for three years. So right. the idea of like, don't meet indoors, separate yourself six feet apart. We're like, well, if everyone's in their car, that's that's the ultimate sneeze guard. Just right. sneeze towards the windshield, right? Um, and so uh, we, we... We didn't even have an FM transmitter. We just were like, yeah, maybe the reverb. You know, we had a really nice sound system. It was portable, but really big, like loud. And so uh-huh. we just, we, it wasn't even, there wasn't a thought process behind it. Uh-huh. As soon as they said we could meet indoors, we're like, okay. We'll meet outside. And my whole team was like, yeah, we'll just go outside. It's fine. And nobody, it wasn't like, no, we, we didn't have to have any cars. We, we've been mobile for three years. Like we've been loading up a trailer, unloading. So being in a storefront for like three months, we got a little comfortable, but not enough that we were out of the mobile side. My thought was this. Community is huge right now, and isolation is, as a Christian, the thing, the furthest I've ever, the furthest I've, when our marriage was at most risk, when I struggled the most was when I isolated myself from other people. Right. When I hid who I really was. So now we got fear, we've got depression, we got, you know, all these, these, these things that are happening in our culture, and the worst thing we can do is become isolated. And isolation doesn't just mean uh, that you're all by yourself in a room alone. Isolation is you withdrawing from community in general. Um, you know, when, when we're on Facebook, we're not always the realest. We can be surrounded by, surrounded by tons of people, but not be real. So we're isolated because we're still hiding whatever thing's going on. We just believe that if we were to show up in the parking lot, honor the, the, the social distancing rules, <laughs> but still meet and still preach the message of the gospel and the hope of the gospel, that it would really help people not feel that isolation. And, right. and it's been powerful. We've had... Salvation's happening every week. People coming in off the street because they have the music, and they're they're staying their distance. Um, we're still able to pray together as a group. I'm not knocking anyone else for doing it any other way. We were mobile. It's just who we are. We this is just what we would have done regardless. Yeah, and that's so. really cool. So um, one of the other things I just want to talk to you about for just a few minutes. We have a few minutes left. Is is just the idea of one thing I know about you is that that God really reveals things to you about other people and you utilize that. Some people in, in Christian worlds, we would call that prophetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for non-Christians, it's just, you know, God reveals stuff to us about other people and you use their tattoos oh. to reveal that. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about that. Cause I love that story so well, much. So when we started church planning, I, I just, I just was asking God. So I, God always deals with me in pictures in general, even as a little kid. I would I would be doing something 
and then God would say, there's a lesson I can teach you in that. So whenever I get in trouble, my grandmother would send me out to the garden, and I'd have to, um, I'd have to rototill it, you know, because uh -huh. uh -huh. she's like, if you're too tired, you won't get in trouble. And I remember one time we went out, and we had to get the green beans off the plants that we had grabbed. She had just a one-acre garden, just a little, it was a pretty big garden, but not. Right. And, but it would rain so hard, but if we didn't get the harvest, you know, off there, then we were going to lose this. So she's like, we got to get out there, and we had to walk through it. And God showed me this picture of like, this is what I want for the harvest. The field won't always be easy to navigate, but I'm calling you and I'll equip you to do it. So he's always taught me pictures. And so I'll, I'll see a picture and then God deals with me. Well, about three years ago, um, God gave me uh, a word over someone's tattoo. And I was like, well, that's weird. I don't think this is a Christian thing. Tattoos are kind of taboo anyways, right? I have a tattoo, so I'm a, I'm a healer. But, uh, <laughs> me too, um, <laughs> by the way. So just saying. But, so God gave me this picture over this tattoo. And I, I just, I was like, okay, let's see what happens. The Lord started dealing with me. He said, listen, I've created people in my image. I, it's the Imago Dei. It's, a, the, it's just a fun way of saying it. It's the Latin way or, I don't know. The Imago Dei of God is the image of God. So we've been created in the image of God. So what I believe that happens a lot of times with people's tattoos, they do one of two things. This is what the Lord has shown me. They either mark themselves with the destiny that God's already marked them with, right? Right. So if you think about the average tattoo, the positive ones, it's honoring family, it's honoring a memory, it's honoring something that's important to them. Or we mark ourselves with the lies of the enemy, which is the opposite of the destiny that God has for our lives. And so a lot of times what happened to me is people who look scary have scary tattoos, I get excited about scary tattoos because it's an opportunity to s reverse a curse that the enemy spoke on over them. Wow, that's really powerful. Yeah. So the other day, I had a kid come in straight out of prison, had prison tats, teardrops, you know, the RX symbol, that script symbol, you know, for mm -hmm. uh, prescriptions. He has uh, love and hate on his knuckles and, and brass knuckles on his hands. I mean, head to toe, prison tats. He walks into the coffee shop, which is a part of our ministry, and I get giddy. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, God, you sent me someone. It's gonna be fun. So I, I walk up to him, and he kept his head. You know, he had a hoodie on, and he had this beanie. He was just, and he kept his head really low. And I said, I was like, I, I want to share some stuff with you, man. I feel like the Lord wants to deal with you. And he's like, Bro, I just got saved a couple weeks ago. I was like, Great. You and I need to talk. And so we sat down, and, and literally, what happened was, as I was talking to him. I, I wasn't at this dealing with the tattoos all. I was just speaking what God says about it. This is what God says about you now. Your past, since you have asked Christ and confessed that he's Lord and, and you've repented of your sins, you're a saint. So therefore, Christ makes you righteous. You're a saint. You're holy. Your past no longer has any hold over you. God wants to do something great in you. And he couldn't. You just see he's broken. I said, bro, I want to give you a marker of your destiny. I said, what's your least favorite tattoo? And he points to the RX script that was on his neck. It's like big, huge. And he said, I hate this tattoo because I was telling the world I'd always be a drug addict and I was always going to be hopeless. And I said, let's wow. pray over this. So I started praying. The Holy Spirit said, he was going to begin to give out the medicine of life. You know, he's going to become a dope, instead of a dope dealer, he's going to become a hope, hope dealer. dealer. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I just started speaking this over. You, where you once sowed uh, death, where you once sowed pain, you're now going to walk in and speak the gospel in these places, and you're going to give out the medicine that is the gospel, the the ointment that heals. The that that that, and I just and he's just bawling his eyes out, and and it was one of those really powerful moments where God just took something that he hated so much and 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 took the curse off of it, and uh, so it's been it's been fun. That's yeah. really awesome. Well, thanks for hanging out yeah. with me today. This has been really cool. Like I could do ten. 
10 podcasts with you because I, I have a dozen other questions. I'll that come I'd back like to share other things. All yeah. right. That's a good idea. So, but we always like to end my podcast with what I call rapid fire questions. Okay. Not deep and theological. Okay, First thing good. out of your brain. Good. Like, don't think really hard about it. won't them. do it. I, I can speak without thinking. All good right. All right. So, um, what is uh, a movie that you watch over and over that you can maybe quote the dialogue for? Uh, Princess Bride. Oh, that hurts my heart a little bit, but okay. Princess Bride is the greatest movie ever made. I make my kids watch it. They think I'm crazy. It's the greatest movie ever made. My husband is coming out of the other room because that's, that is his, it. Yes. Favorite, that's his favorite yeah, it's, movie. It's the greatest. It's it's just it's filled with all the cheesiness you need in the world. Yeah. What perfect. is um, what does a perfect Friday night look like for you? Um, families, a really nerdy board game that has long instruction. So it's, it's playing a board game with the family um, and, and, and eating pizza. And it's got to be exact kind of pizza. It's bacon, chicken, ranch pizza. So pizza, board games, family. It's, it does it every time. And friends can come and play board games also. I, we, but it's got to be nerdy board games. We don't play no Monopoly, okay? It's got to have <laughs> a, a novel for the instructions. So. All right, so you're not playing Yahtzee. Not, we, we do, but we, we would prefer Bunny Kingdom or, uh, you know, Catan or something nerdy like that, yeah. Okay, sure. I don't even know the names of the games you're playing, so they must be Brainiac <laughs> games. All right, because I'm sticking with my Yahtzee mm-hmm. and my Phase 10 or whatever. They're, they're fine. They're fine. Yeah. <laughs> they will do. Um, who's, teaching the most, who's teaching you the most about Christ right now? My kids. Okay. They're forcing me to live out the gospel in my house. Because they see me even when I'm not putting a show on, and we're all quarantined together. There's right. nothing to be hidden. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, so did book- you want an actual teacher like no. someone on, on nope. Facebook? Because I have. Yeah. This is it. So a uh, book that you that you've read, uh, not the Bible, but okay. that has really impacted your life. Um, oh, I feel so unspiritual right now because every book just slipped my mind. Uh, um, oh, good grief. They've all left my mind. Okay, uh, no, no problem. The, that 30 Minutes Habit book that, uh, uh, yeah. I'll, Atomic Habits? No, it's not Atomic it's Habits. Tommy, uh, good grief. Okay. All right, I'm we'll terrible. move on. We'll move on. Um, one, thing in the, one thing in your world that surprises you the most that makes you smile? Um, the God, God, God will use who you use. And it's been, it's been fun watching that. So, uh, I think it's really interesting. I think it's fun how community works, even when you're not being overly preachy inside a community. Mm-hmm. That's been really fun to watch, like doing life and living out the gospel together. So again, that was that's awesome. <laughs> Favorite coffee drink? Uh, I like my coffee, like my humor. I like it dark and bitter. Dark and bitter. Give me a good uh, black cup of coffee, and I'm happy. Especially if it's freshly ground. Yeah. So first press, preferably. So. Come on. So, um, if you. If you could change your profession from being a pastor, mm-hmm. and what would you be? You could be uh, anything in the world. What would you be? Uh, I would be maybe a comedian or a comic book store owner um, or a – that would be it, yeah. Okay. So. And this is the final question I ask everybody that's on my podcast. And I always like to end the podcast with this one question. If you could say one thing. And one thing only that would make Jesus famous, what would you say? Um, <laughs> I, I would say that if you'll, if, you'll, if, you'll, if you'll turn your life over to him 
and you'll cut off every possible escape plan to where he's the only exit plan you have in life. He will take you to places you have not to imagine. And our imagination is not even great enough to understand what he wants to do in our lives. And so if you will radically follow him and just say, I'm going down with the ship called Jesus, right? I'm going down. The places he'll take you will radically change the world. That's even awesome. if no one sees it. Well, thanks, Terry, for hanging out with yeah. me. This has been super awesome. If you want to connect to uh, Pastor Terry, I encourage you to check out Hope City Church. Uh, I'll put the links to his Facebook page and his church website in the story notes uh, and how you can connect with him. Maybe you want to um, have him come and, come and speak for your group or speak at your church. Uh, you, I promise that you will be super glad if you decide to do that. Uh, maybe you want to come and check out Hope City Church because it is an amazing, uh, growing, thriving new church, and it's really awesome. So... Uh, thanks for joining us. This is that time of my recording when I ask for my trifecta of favors first. First of all, maybe this is the first time you're listening to my podcast. And if it is, would you just do me a favor by hitting that subscribe button? That way all the latest episodes will be in your feed. Second of all, if you could go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, that would super help us because, hey, Melissa Zimmerman is not that easy to spell. And it helps us float to the top a little bit. And finally, and most importantly, if you enjoy the podcast, would you be willing to share it with your friends and invite them to come and join us? And so thanks again for hanging out with us today. And until we uh, meet again, remember, he doesn't waste a thing.